Deuteronomy chapter number 3. I'm going to read some verses here and to try our best by the help of God to give you what's on our heart for the service this morning. Deuteronomy chapter 3. When you found your place, if you're able and willing to do so, let's stand together out of reverence and honor for the reading of the Word of God. I think what the Lord has put on my heart will fit very well with some of the things that were said and mentioned in the Sunday school hour this morning. I thank the Lord for tying that together. And here in Deuteronomy chapter 3, we're going to pick up reading in verse number 21. Now what's taking place to give you a little background because it's going to come up in verse 21, is that the Lord has miraculously given victory to the children of Israel over Sion and Og, these great kings that no one else had seemingly been able to overcome. Of course, we know that Og was the king of Bashan and Sion was the king of Heshbon and they were very powerful men in their day. Matter of fact, it tells us that Og was the last of the giants. And uh, the Bible speaks about his bed of iron, that it would have been roughly in our measurement about 13 and a half feet long. And everybody was afraid of these. Nobody could ever seemingly overcome them. And the Lord had given them great victory over these men. And God here is, uh, through the hand and the words of Moses, rehearsing everything that had been done by him, that's what the book of Deuteronomy is. It's a book of rehearsal, a book of remembrance. The Lord is working through Moses and speaking to him. And in verse 21, after the defeat of these two kings, the Bible said, And I commanded Joshua at that time, saying, Thine eyes have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto these two kings. So shall the Lord do unto all the kingdoms, whither thou passest. You shall not fear them, for the Lord your God, he shall fight for you. And I besought the Lord at that time, saying, O Lord God, thou hast begun to show thy servant thy greatness, and thy mighty hand. For what God is there in heaven or in earth that can do according to thy works and according to thy might? I pray thee, let me go over and see the good land that is beyond Jordan that goodly mountain in Lebanon. But the Lord was wroth with me for your sakes and would not hear me. The Lord said unto me, Let it suffice thee, speak no more unto me of this matter. Get thee up into the top of Pisgah. Lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward. Behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. But charge Joshua... And encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people. And he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. Thank you for standing. You can be seated. We know this morning in the context of the scripture about Moses' disobedience. And God withholding from him the ability to go into the land of Canaan. That's what Moses is 
speaking to God about in these verses or rehearsing what he had spoke to God about in these verses. The Lord allowed Moses to go to the top of the mountain and to look over and see the land, but he would not allow Moses to go into the land. But he tells him in verse number 28, and this is where my heart is this morning, he says, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him, for he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. Now we know and we tried to deal with it not long ago in the service about the Lord and him allowing the people and allowing Moses to send the spies into the land of Canaan. It was never the will of God. He wanted the people to take him at his word. But he allowed the people to have what they wanted and they sent the spies, ten returned with an evil report, and two with a good report, and Joshua and Caleb are those two that had a good report. Joshua is Moses' minister. He is the one that follows Moses, that aids Moses, that takes care of Moses. And it is this Joshua, the son of Nun, whose name means the Lord shall say, that will end up ultimately leading the people into the land of Canaan. Moses is going to die. God's going to call him to the top of the mountain. There he's going to be gathered to his fathers and God himself will bury Moses. The people will weep over him. The Bible said there was never a prophet nor ever would be again like unto Moses. A man that spoke to God face to face like a man spoke unto his friend. But God was done with Moses at that point. God no longer needed Moses. God needed Joshua. Not that God couldn't do it without Joshua, but God had chose this time to be the time for Joshua to come forward. And so here in the Scriptures, as Moses knows that he's not going to go in, that he's going to die, and Joshua is going to lead the people into the land of Canaan, Moses receives a commandment from God not only to charge Joshua, but to encourage him. And this is not the first time that Moses has been commanded by God to encourage Joshua. In chapter number 1, verse 28, I think it is, the command again comes from God to encourage Joshua. And it's amazing to me how God works all this out and he uses Moses to encourage Joshua. I think there are several reasons why that God chose Moses to encourage Joshua. Number one, I think it's because of the respect that Joshua had for Moses. He had followed him. He had experienced things with Moses. He was there that day when God descended on the mount. He was there when there was strife among the people and God separated and devoured the people, the sons of Korah and all them that stood with him went down into the earth, down into hell, into the pit and the earth opened up and Joshua was there and Joshua had great respect for Moses. And so it would mean something for the encouragement to come from Moses. But I think God used Moses 
because Moses knew the people and he knew what he had experienced with the people and he knew what Joshua was fixing to experience with the people. Moses had been there when they murmured and they complained. Moses had been, now Joshua had been there but not in the shoes that Moses was in. But Moses had been there when Moses said they blaming me God they wanted to stone me God they're blaming me for bringing them out here it's all they say it's all my fault Moses has been there Joshua has never experienced that but Joshua's fixing to there are going to be days when they'll point their finger at Joshua and say it's your fault your leadership, your decision, your choice, your following God has brought us to this place. There are going to be days that Joshua feels despised. And there are going to be days that Joshua feels deserted. And Moses has been there. And God said, I know what's coming. And you better encourage him. Now I want to preach this morning. I'm being an encourager. That's what's on my heart. God's dealt with my heart pretty strongly the last couple of days about some things that I'm going to try my best to obey Him and preach what's on my heart. Now here in the Scripture, God tells Moses, first of all, to charge Joshua. And I'm afraid we're living, I'm going to get right down where we're living. I'm not interested in what's going on out there. I'm not interested in what's going on in the mega churches. I'm interested in our fundamental Bible-believing Baptist churches that we know and understand talking about the people of God and where we are, there's a whole lot of wanting to, of preachers wanting to charge folks, but there's not a whole lot wanting to encourage folks. Now the word charge means to call to action and there is great truth in charging folks. I think the preaching of the word of God ought to charge folks. It means to appoint to a task. It means a response is required. It's not just a suggestion and it's really even one step farther than a commandment. But to give a charge is a military term and it means that someone in a higher rank has given you the duty, the job that you must carry out. And that's what God said to do to Joshua. Charge him. Tell him it is now his place. It is now his position. It is now his duty to take over as the head and leader of the people of God. And it's his job. His main purpose is to lead them into Canaan. But thank God he didn't stop there. He didn't say just tell him about his job. He didn't say just tell him about his duty. He didn't say just lay the burden and the weight on his shoulders. But he said and encouraged him and strengthened him to do the job. See, I believe that's a great element. And I'm not preaching on preachers or against preachers. And I'm not preaching mean-spirited this morning. But I'm afraid that's a great element that's missing. In our Baptist, in preaching today, is that we want to lay the charge and we want to lay the burden. We want to tell folks what they ought to do, but then we fail to encourage and strengthen them to do the work. I think we need encouragers. And by the way, it's not just the pulpit's job to be an encourager. I do believe that we are lacking a lot of encouragement in the pulpit. But I think it goes far beyond that. I think we're lacking encouragement in the pews. Now I believe there's a great need. The reality, the real need is for encouragement in our day. Now I'm all for preaching against sin. If God tells me to, I will. 
Doesn't bother me a bit, and I don't say that mean spirited, but I'm telling you, uh, we have got where we've got in many aspects. I understand uh, there needs to be more preaching against sin. I understand we got to take a stand. I understand we got to draw the line where God drew the line. Uh, but I'm telling you, we are hurting for lack of encouragement and strength for the people of God to do the job that God has given them to do. We need some encouragement. You say, why do we need encouragement? Well, because the days are dark. I mean, it's just what God spoke to my heart real this week, and I'm trying my best to give it to you. We need encouragement because the days are dark. I thought about old Noah, and I never really pondered about it this way. The Lord just got to stir it in my heart yesterday, and this morning again, I thank Him for it. I'm glad that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Thank God for that. But we can't read into the Bible and think that Noah was some superhuman or super. He was flesh and blood just like you and I are. And I wonder as a human, even though it found grace, thank God for grace. And you and I have grace today. Thank God for that. I'm not taking anything away from that. But can you imagine being the only preacher for 120 years in a day when they don't want to hear the preaching and they're going contrary to preaching and nobody's there. I wonder what thoughts went through Noah's mind. I wonder what feelings Noah felt. Don't you reckon there were days he thought, what's the use? Don't you think there were days he felt like he was doing no good, like he was spinning his wheels. Oh, he had got a command from God. He was building a boat. God was going to work in him by faith and by grace. Thank God for that. But what about the human side? Let's set aside the spiritual side. What about the human side of Noah? How bad, what days must Noah got up and wonder if he should even keep on going? Thank God for grace. But I read over there where the time to get on the boat came and God said, I want you to get in, Noah. And I want you to bring your wife and your three sons and their wives, all of them into the ark. And I wonder for them 120 years while Noah preached and Noah built the boat, if some mornings he got up and he walked out of the tent and wondered whether or not to even pick up the hammer again. If maybe one of them boys walked by and said, Daddy, I know you're tired, but I want you to pick up the hammer and I'm going to pick up mine and we're going to go down there and we're going to build on the boat despite what folks may say, despite what they may do to us, despite the persecution, despite the darkness, despite the sin, despite the wickedness, despite the evil. Pick it up, Daddy, and let's go build on the boat again. I wonder if there was some nights, and I'm just, I'm just trying to relate to myself. I wonder if there were some nights that Noah rolled over next to Mrs. Noah and said, I just don't think I got enough strength to get up in the morning. And she said, honey, I know the days are dark and I know the times are hard, but you remember just a little while ago when the God of heaven spoke to you and he said that he's going to give you a way for us to escape the wrath to come. And she said, now Noah, I know it's hard. I don't even know what you're going through. I've not been in your shoes. I know the people are talking. I know they're being mean to you. I know they're persecuting you. I know it looks like you're not doing any good. But she said, can I remind you that we got three boys in the next room and they're depending on you to keep building the boat. I'm telling you this morning, we need some encouragement in these dark days. There's too much at stake. We need some help from one another. I believe that's right. 
I think the darkness of our day tells us that there's a real need for encouragement in these days. I thought about the damage that's being done in our day. God, this is how God dealt with my heart. And I'm just preaching exactly how He put it on my heart. I'm trusting Him to do the work. But I read in Acts 27, Paul used the word damage. He said, we know and study the Scriptures, there's so much typology and I don't have time to get into all that. But all the storms that are recorded in the New Testament are all a type of the church and how we're going through the storm. And Acts 27 is the last storm. It's the greatest storm. It's the worst storm. I believe it pictures the last day church and the storm that we're in. And Paul said, there's going to be damage. Yeah. What Paul meant by damage is the, the beating and the crashing of the waves and the wind is going to do damage to the boat. And it's going to make you feel like that you're going to be lost. As a matter of fact, Paul himself said we hadn't seen the sun or stars in many days. No small tempest lay on us. He said we inspected the damage. It didn't look like we would ever stay afloat. And he said all hope that we should be saved was taken away. That's the damage of the last days. That is perilous times in a nutshell where it looks like you'll never make it. And there's great damage being done to the people of God by the beating and the crashing of the winds and the waves. But thank God, there's a word from God. Thank God we have the one who can walk on the water that the winds and seas obey His voice. And it looks like it's all over. But thank God for a word from God in the midst of the storm to encourage us in these days. I'm going to say there's not just the beating and the crashing of the waves and the winds But I'm afraid in this day there's the brethren whose critical spirit is causing damage to the people of God. That we spend as the people of God more of our time tearing each other down than we do in trying to help each other up. God help us. That, that we that make ourselves feel better. And that's what Paul, that's what his fault was with the Corinthian church. And not just Paul's fault, that was God's fault with the Corinthian church is that they were all about their self. The body of Christ is not a self-minded thing. It is a collective body. We're all in this together. And we need to encourage one another. And the reality of the need is so great in this day. And we could just say this morning that the Lord just spoke to my heart. We could just say because of the opposite, there is so much discouragement in this day. Not just doubt, not just damage, not just danger, not just darkness. There's so much discouragement in this day. People are discouraged of the way. And they don't feel like they can go on any longer. And that's what happened to people of God. They said this is not the way that we want to take. The Bible literally says in the book of Numbers 21 that they were discouraged because of the way. And when the way... What the songwriter said, when the way seems dark and long as I pass amid the throng, hold to my hand. Dear Lord, I pray. 
You say, what was the writer saying? He is saying, I understand that there is great danger to be discouraged because of the way. When the way looks dark, when the way looks long. The writer said, when the way is dark and I cannot see, thank God, I know my Lord is going to stand by me. And we need some reminded on this day that no matter how dark it is or whether the way we're going is not the way that we want to take. But thank God, whether it's the way we want to take or not, Job said, and he knows of the way that I take and when he's tried me I'll come forth as gold it's real easy to get discouraged because the path we're being led down is not the path that we want to go and it's in those days we need encouragement then there's discouragement because of the work some people are discouraged because the work is so difficult it was in Nehemiah's day, they come to him, they said, listen, the, the, lead, the main people, the leaders came, they said, listen, the strength of the bearers of burden is decayed. They said, we can't do it anymore. We're too tired. Our back can't take it. Our shoulders can't take it. Our hearts are not in it. We are discouraged. There's so much rubbish. We can't get through it all. We can't work like this anymore. I believe that's a great type of our day. We just live in the midst of a bunch of rubbish. But thank God there are some stones that can be revived out of the heaps. There are some stones that by the grace of God we can pick up out of the pile and put back in the wall and continue our work and we can build on and work on and stand on and walk on. And there's encouragement to be had even in these discouraging days. There's some that are discouraged because of the warfare. And we're in a fight. We're in a battle. And here in this chapter, they said it themselves just a few verses ago. They said in verse number one of chapter one, verse 28, with us shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our heart. Now I want you to listen to that verse real close to what the Bible said. It's talking about when the spies came back from the land of Canaan, they said, we can't go. The, the people responded, Whither shall, where we're we going now? This is the land God said we need to go to and we can't go there. They said, our brethren have discouraged our heart. What a statement. They didn't say the Canaanites, the giants, they, not they said our own brethren have discouraged us. I'm afraid in this discouraging day, many of the people of God are spending more time discouraging others than we are encouraging others. Now I'm not here this morning, you know me better than that. I'm not here preaching about working something up or stirring something up in your own flesh or trying to make something happen. But there's encouragement to be had. It's a command. God commanded Moses to encourage and strengthen Joshua. It's not a if, it's a now. We must have it. We must have encouragement. We need some encouragers. Many are discouraged because of the world. That's what the psalmist was experiencing in Psalm 37 when he wrote, Fret not thyself because of evildoers. The word fret means to become overoccupied, to be consumed with care, to be discouraged. We often look around at the world and it makes us discouraged. 
But on down in the chapter, he said the Lord caused him to see and he got encouragement. We need some encouragement in this day. There is a reality that there is a real need for encouragement. And it's a requirement. We can't overlook that God required it of the hand of Moses to encourage Joshua. And Hebrews chapter 10 reads to me like God requires it of us. Not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another. That's pretty much an interchangeable word for encourage. The word exhort means to encourage, to strengthen, to lift the spirits, to cheer on. But exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. One preacher said this week it's the easiest form of obedience to the people of God and to God is that we exhort one another. And it's hard to exhort one another if we don't... People say, well, that verse means assemble more. Not No, the context is exhort more. But it's impossible to exhort without being in the assembly. They go hand in hand. And many people miss out on their encouragement because the priority of being in the house of God is not where it needs to be. And many times the priorities are not where they need to be because we have missed the part of being an encouragement and a help to the people of God. We live in a day, and I'm not excusing missing the house of God. I know there are times that sickness and other circumstances come up, but I do feel like that in this age we live in, people miss way more than they ought to. And I'm not excusing that, but I look around in our day, for the, and I understand there's a pull on us, or ought to be, if we're saved by the grace of God, but if we constantly come in, and we get berated and belittled in the house of God, and we come in here to get help, and there's no help, and there's no power, and there's no encouragement, it's no wonder people don't want to come. I'm not talking about compromising or preaching what people need to hear or, want, or not what they want to hear. I'm talking about preaching what people need to hear. We don't have to make something up. Just preach the Bible. And if you'll preach the Bible, you can even preach on sin and it encourages folks. It's the way the Bible works. But it's not just about the preaching. Not just about the preacher. And I'm so grateful this morning. If you could look down in my heart, I can't even convey... But if God could open it up and you look down in my heart and see how grateful I am and how humbled I am to pastor this place and to be a part of this flock and this body. I mean, I wish you could see, but it's not just about what I'm doing. It's about what we're doing by the help of God together for one another. It's not just my place to be the encourager. Do you understand that there are days that I need to be the one that's encouraged? I'm not belittling you or preaching on me or lifting, but there's a reality. We all face discouragement. And if it's always on one person, what happens when that one person is the one in need of encouragement? It's a collective work. It's a work of the body. And it's required. And the Lord just got to do in my heart, and I'm trying to preach this as quick as I can and let you go. But God help us not to get too busy. To be an encourager. Not to get too busy. Just And there's all kinds of ways to be an encourager. It might be through a word. It might be through a phone call. It might be through a... T- I mean, we got all kinds of ways of communication. 
It might be through an act or a deed. It may be even you doing something that no one even knows that you've done. They don't even know the one that did it, but just that it got done encourages you. I told the Lord that I'd only say this and talk about it if He wanted me to because I'm not lifting me up by any means. There was someone in our community that, that needed help. She was an older lady. All by herself. She didn't have anybody. As far as I know, her husband's gone. I don't think they had any children. I don't know what age this lady is. But she lives just a few houses down from us. And uh, she always keeps her... Now, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just... The Lord's want me to say this. And she always kept her place so neat. And I was afraid something was wrong with her. But come to find out, just uh, her lawnmower was tore up and she hadn't been able to mow. And I mean, it was above knee high and I told my wife I said I'm going to go down there and I'm going to mow her yard and I was coming home and she was leaving and I said thank you Lord I don't even want her to be and I'm not bragging on me I, just, I said I don't even want her to be there I just want to do it and be gone when she gets back but the Lord knew what he was doing and so I went down there and I was trying to get it done as quick as I could and it wasn't going too quick because you had to mow it about twice to get it to look halfway decent and I was mowing out of the corner of my eye. I saw her car go by and she pulled in the driveway. And I thought, well, I had hoped to be done. And to my knowledge, I don't know that I've ever spoke to this woman. She lives about three houses down. I always wave and she waves. She's always nice. She got out of her car and I watched her walk across the yard. And she said, what are you doing? I said, well, I just want to come mow your yard. And she just... And I'm, I'm talking about... We are too busy to be a help to folks. God help me and God help us. She said, well, how much are you going to want for this? I said, ma'am, I don't want anything. I just want to mow your yard. And this is what she said. Tears come in my eyes. She said, people don't do stuff like this anymore. She said, I don't, I don't understand. People don't do stuff like this anymore. And I thought, Lord, help us. That church, and I'm not saying that you got to go home and find somebody and go mow their yard. That's not what I'm talking about. We just got to not be too busy to help folk and be an encouragement to folk. She said, I need to pay you. I said, thank God for it. That'll be payment enough. And I watched that little old woman stand in the yard and look to heaven and thank God for it. And it encouraged my heart. But why, if I had been too busy, sure. If I, to be honest, there were other things I could have been doing and that probably needed to be done. But thank God for encouragement. And it wasn't the amazing thing about encouragement is if you'll take the time to encourage somebody, it'll be an encouragement to you. And so I went to encourage her, but I got to encouragement. I went to be a help to her, but I got to help. That's the way God works. Let's not be too busy. Then God spoke to my heart and said, don't be too blind. We're too guilty of overlooking when people need help. Because oftentimes we feel like we're the ones that need help. And God really spoke to my heart and I, I feel so unworthy and I want to be real careful here. But God said for me to tell you not to be too broken to be an encouragement to somebody. You may feel like it's you that needs encouragement, but guess what? Your encouragement may come by being an encouragement to somebody else. 
You may not feel like being an encouragement to somebody, but God may put somebody in your path or somebody on your heart and give you something in your heart to do. You just might as well do it. Don't be too busy. You say, preacher, I don't have time. The reality is, that's right. You don't have time not to. You better make time and do what God has put in your heart to do. I promise you it won't go unnoticed. You say, well, what if they never say anything? It's not about them. You're not doing it for them. You're doing it for God and to be a help to them because of God, for Him to get the glory and for them to get the help. And I promise you, if you do it for the right reason, you'll be the one in turn that gets the help and God will get the glory. It's a requirement. It's a requirement. But then I thought about, and I'm done, the Lord spoke to my heart. There are results that come from encouragement. If we look at the word encouragement in the word of God, and it, it finds many forms. Encourage, exhort, strengthen, hold up. I said a minute ago that the word charge, charge Joshua, that is a to give orders, to appoint to a task. But the word encouragement means to give strength for the task at hand. There is a work. There's a balance. He didn't say charge him and leave it at that. He didn't say encourage him and leave it at that. He said charge and encourage him and strengthen him. There's a balance. There's a balance in the New Testament. When Paul charges Timothy, he tells him to reprove, rebuke, and exhort. With all long suffering and doctrine. It's real easy when we're self-righteous to reprove and rebuke. But we must take a humble tone of mind and frame of mind when we exhort someone else. Because it is to lift them up. And it means for us to go down and them to come up. We're to prefer our brother above ourselves. It means to give strength. It means to support when I thought about that and I was reading over these definitions and I was just asking the Lord to speak to my heart, when it means to give strength, the first one that the Lord brought to my mind was Peter. That day when the Lord said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat, but I pray for thee. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And although Peter was on the bottom, yet God used him to be an encouragement to the people of God. And then it means to give support. And the very first thing I thought about was Aaron and her when they walked up the mountain with Moses. And Moses' hands were heavy. As long as he held his hands up, Joshua and the children of Israel prevailed. But when his hands come down, the Amalekites prevailed. And so the Bible said that Aaron on one side and her on the other stayed up Moses' hands till the going down the sun, the children of Israel were victorious. That was encouragement, support. And I was getting ready this morning and the Lord just out of the blue just spoke to my heart. And He brought to my mind and it was in the chapter preceding where we were in Sunday school this morning about the body and that we're all members of the same body. And there are times that parts of the body need supportive care. That's the word we use when you go to the doctor and something's injured. You need supportive care. You don't go and tell the doctor to cut off the part and throw it away. You tell him to help it get back to what it needs to be. And you take the time and you follow the doctor's orders to make sure that the part's restored. How come it is in our spiritual body when we're all together in the body and someone falters or someone... It's not always... (coughs) 
Sometimes parts of the body are injured by trauma. Sometimes they're injured by tragedy. Sometimes that trauma or tragedy are self-inflicted. There's just a reality that sometimes we mess up. Sometimes we get ourselves in our own messes. But who are we, the other parts of the body? Who is the hand to say the foot's of no value? Cut it off and throw it away. But that's the attitude many times that the people of God take with one another. But then I thought, and I'm not trying to, and I know she won't mind, I'm not trying to call her out or embarrass her, but I thought about, the Lord just brought it to my mind, I thought about Sister Connie when she had her foot was injured, and I I kept, the only thing the Lord would let me remember, she kept saying, I don't know how it happened, I don't know how it happened. She'd come to church with that boot on, you know. There are sometimes parts of our body in the spiritual, they get injured and they don't even know how, how, it's just part of life. We get injured in the walk. We get injured in the work. We get injured in the way. And it just happens. I just wonder if we're the parts of the body that are willing to be the supportive care to make sure that part gets nourished and restored and renewed and back to its former place so that we, because see, when that part doesn't function, we can't fully function as we ought to, so it ought to be our desire to encourage and give the support that's needed to make sure that one gets back to the place that it needs to be. And I know that there are no perfect allegories, some veer off, but I thought about, you know, sometimes parts need to be cut out. But you know what? The Lord spoke to my heart this morning. He said, that's the doctor's call. It's not my call. I don't, you know, have an ache and a pain and make my own decision that I'm going, it's not my business. That's God's business. He's the doctor. He's the head. He's the one that knows who needs to be here and who don't. As long as we're together in this body, we ought to give the support. We ought to be the encourager. It means to give support. It means to repair if needed. Nehemiah, he was that encourager. He knew the walls. He took it upon himself, bore the burden, and he conveyed his heart and encouraged the people that it was a good work that needed to be done. But then I thought, I was reading through these, and I'm done this morning. The word encourage means to hold on to. And it don't mean to hold on to in light of afraid you'll lose it, but it means to hold on to and give aid. What we would call to hug up, to embrace. It's another word for support. And I'm telling you, in these days, some of the people of God just need somebody to hold on to them. And I understand the Lord's holding on to us all. Thank God for that. I'm talking about among one another. We need some encouragers. See the word, the same word that's translated encourage in Deuteronomy chapter 3 we find in Genesis 21. I'm not, I, don't, I don't even have the smarts to get real technical and I'm not trying to get technical. But in Genesis 21, Hagar and Ishmael have been cast out and she's set him behind a bush and she's hid herself. She said, I don't want to see him die. And the Lord saw her and heard her cry and gave her a well. And he, he tells her to pick up the child and hold him in her hand. And that same word, hold him, is the same word we find in Deuteronomy chapter 3 for encourage. It means to swaddle. It means to pull up to, to nourish, to cherish. Sometimes in these days we just need to let others know we care. 
we're thinking about them. I thank God for a church that prays for one another, but we need to let folks know sometimes. Sometimes all the encouragement someone needs is for somebody to let them know they care about them. The church is an organization, an organism, not an organization, an organism that should care. We should have, the Bible said, Paul said, I don't even need to teach you about love because you're taught of God to love one another. And we display that love when we encourage and strengthen and help one another. And we might as well all admit it. There are days I need encouragement. And there are days you need encouragement. There are days I'm the one that's discouraged. And there are days you're the one that's discouraged. There are days, whatever the reason, that we all feel like the days are so dark and and so discouraging and so damaging that we'll never make it. And the reality is we go forward several chapters and we find the way the scriptural way to encourage is always to speak of God and this is how Moses encouraged Joshua he said be of good courage the Lord is with thee he will not fail thee nor forsake thee Moses encouraged Joshua and so our encouragement is not necessarily it's not as it was in the Corinthian church as we said was said in Sunday school. It's not about the reflection being on us. If that's what we're doing, it'll never bring encouragement. If we're going to somebody to make ourselves look good, that's not encouraging. But if we're going to someone to remind them in whatever way God's put on our heart that God cares about them, that God loves them, that God's able. You say, preacher, I don't see how what I could do. I'm telling you, if I could mow a lady's, and I'm not bragging on me, but if I could mow a lady's yard and God get the glory from it and her be encouraged, anything God puts on your heart can be done for Him and bring Him glory and help our brother and sister along the way. And We need some encouragers. I want to be. Brother Tim said this morning, and it smote my heart, I want to be the one, not just in the pulpit, but I want to be the one that when I meet people and my mouth opens, that I help them, that I encourage them, that they, like Peter and John, they may know I'm unlearned and ignorant, but they can take knowledge that somewhere along the line I've been with Jesus. That's what it said about them. When they knew Peter and John, and they knew that they perceived they were unlearned and ignorant men, they took knowledge that they had been with Jesus. That's what I want folks to know about me, that I've been with Him. And that He's a lead in me. We just sung that song this morning about He lights the way I travel each day. And that's what we ought to want. Lord, show me who to help. Show me. Don't Lord, help me not be too busy to be an encourager. Help me not be too blind. Help me not be too broken. I may be going through my own struggle, but Lord, if there's somebody that You want me to encourage, help me encourage them. And in doing so, it'll encourage me. Lord, help us this morning to be an encourager. Father, I thank you this morning for the privilege and the opportunity to have been able to be in the house of God with your people. I thank you for the Word of God. Thank you for the simple thoughts that you've laid upon my heart.